Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, take out your notes. We are in part one of a brand new series that I could not be more excited about called The Miracles of Jesus. We are going to look at some of the miracles that Jesus performed 2,000 years ago and how they apply to your life today. And we're going to look at them uh, throughout this month into April, even into May. Uh, the series is probably somewhere between maybe seven and nine weeks long. I'm really pumped about it. And we're going to evaluate the life of Christ and what has not just happened, but what can happen in your life. And I'm just believing over our church. And I want you to lean into this, that as we experience these miracles in the scripture, that our faith is built to believe God for the miraculous in your life. I'm believing we're going to see healings in our services and, and breakthrough in people's lives and anxiety release. I'm just, I'm just trusting with it because Jesus did these miracles in the scriptures. One, one, he showed that he was God, but he also showed what was possible with a life that's completely submitted to Christ. It's in your notes this way. The miracles performed by Jesus showed what is possible with a life completely submitted to the Holy Spirit. So when your life is submitted to God, the miraculous can happen. And, and so we see that in the life of Christ. And we're going to look at them throughout the scriptures. Now, what's interesting is the life of Christ, we have about 33 and a half years that he was on the earth. And scholars say that if you take all of the references in scripture that mention different days, the total number of days that we actually have accounted for in the life of Christ is somewhere on the low end, it's 27. On the high end, it's about 55 days. It's somewhere in between that. That's the amount of days that we have. So we have we three years of ministry. We understand that obviously Jesus did a lot of other things that we don't know about, but that should encourage us to know that there's many other people healed and many other miracles that happen and many other teachings that happen. But the scriptures show us 37 unique miracles that Jesus did, 37. We're gonna try to dive through about seven or eight of them in this series. And the miracles that we see in the scriptures are there to show us really two things. And it says it in the book of John chapter 20. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these that are recorded. So the 37 miracles that we see that Jesus did in the scriptures, we're recorded so that you may what? Believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And that's our number one hope. That's why we're doing this series during Easter, that we want to see a lot of people get saved. A lot of people put their hope in Christ, but also to believe that in the son of God and that by believing then, so now that your faith is in him, that you may have life in his name. And I'm just believing that our faith, our belief in Christ will be raised up to believe God for the miracle so that the things that are dead in your life, we can see life happen. So I, I want you to be faith-filled. I want you to take a lot of notes. I want you to bring your friends, share these messages, and let's believe God for some incredible things. We're going to start with one of my favorite miracles in the scriptures, and it's right there in your notes. We're going to talk about the feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000. If you grew up in church, you, you heard about this miracle. If you don't know about it, you'll get kind of the breakdown today. But basically, a bunch of people gather, and as a bunch of people gather, they're hungry, and Jesus feeds them with a small amount of food. That's the basic of the overall uh, arching theme of the, the message. But let me just kind of break down some unique things about you. First of all, we call it the feeding of the 5,000, but there wasn't 5,000 people there. The Bible says there was 5,000 men 
the, the women and the children weren't accounted for, and partly because men eat a whole lot more than women and children. Can I hear that? Okay, that's not the reason. Uh, but we see it with culture that the, the men were accounted. It was kind of 5,000 families represented. And with that, we, we estimate somewhere between 12 and maybe up to 20,000 people were on the hillside listening to Jesus and experienced this miracle. Now, why that's a big deal is the towns surrounding Galilee, that's the northern part of Israel, where Jesus performed this miracle, the towns really go anywhere from 200 people up to about 750 would be a large town in that day. So you've got a picture that before social media, before email blast, before cable news, before any of that, before a tweet could go out, Jesus, the word about Jesus had spread everywhere where now people from all these different towns were coming together and 20,000 of them without like some central message going out, 20,000 people gathered to hear Jesus. This is a big deal. That itself is a miracle. Then they gather together and Jesus performs the the feeding of the 5,000, the great miracle that we see, which by the way, another interesting fact with it is that the feeding of the 5,000 is one of two miracles that are in all four gospels. There's only two miracles that are repeated in all four gospels. Those two miracles are the resurrection of Christ and the feeding of the 5,000. The authors thought it was that important, this miracle, and I'll show you why at the end of this message that it was that important for it to be reiterated four different times with four different perspectives. So we're gonna dive into it. You might've heard it before, but I believe this is gonna be something that'll transform your life as you realize, I don't want you to let the, the familiarity with the story rob you of some fresh revelation that God wants to give you. So let's lean in today and listen to it. We're gonna be in the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew. It goes Genesis, Exodus, Matthew. So it's in there, no, it's not. Matthew's in the New Testament. So it's the first book of the New Testament. We're gonna be in chapter 14, and we're gonna start with verse 13, and we're gonna read it slowly. Um, this is not gonna be one of those series where I give you three points to this or five points to this. I'm gonna actually just take it and go verse by verse through it and just throw out some, some keys that I feel like God's speaking to us about it, and I, and I hope they help you, okay? Look what it says in verse 13. It says, when Jesus had heard what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. On hearing this, the crowds followed him by foot, from the towns, those are those towns, those little towns of 200 to 700 people. They followed him. Now, we gotta pause there for a second and we gotta ask ourselves, well, what happened? When Jesus heard what happened, he left to go by himself. Well, what happened? Well, what happened was right before this, his cousin, a guy by the name of John the Baptist, who he loved deeply, they grew up together. John the Baptist was the great forerunner of Christ. He's the one that announced Jesus there at the Jordan and and baptized him. It's this beautiful picture. John the Baptist is arrested put in prison, and then beheaded. As he's beheaded, the word comes back to Jesus, and Jesus is grieved. We think of Jesus as God, which he was, fully God, but he also was fully man. And as fully man, he he experienced what it means to deal with loss, to deal with hurt. Now, that should encourage some people here today, because so many people are going, well, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't know what you're going through, but God's dealt with what you're going through. He's experienced that pain. Jesus dealt with loss. This is his cousin, was killed, and, and you gotta understand that Jesus had to deal with those emotions. I, I love it. I wanna do it eventually one day in the future where I do a whole series where I talk about the times that Jesus dealt with emotions. He, he was hungry, he was tired, he was sad, he was grieving. You know, when Lazarus died, we'll talk about Lazarus in a few weeks. When Lazarus died, the Bible gives that famous verse that Jesus, what? 
wept. He cried. So we see the, the emotions of Jesus. But what I find interesting is before the great miracle, Jesus pulls away to be with the Father. He pulls away. Why did he pull away to be with the Father? Maybe, just maybe, the emotions of what he was going through were so overwhelming that he needed time to heal first before he could heal other people. There's a truth in this that you need to understand. I wrote in your notes this way, that the miracle God wants to do through you begins with him doing a miracle in you. There's gotta be something deep that God does in your life first. He pulls you back to get you ready for the limelight he has. There's many people that are so frustrated. You feel like you're in a, in a dark spot. You feel like you're pulled back. You feel like you're just, nobody sees what's going on in your life. I want you to know, God's bringing you alone so that he can display you publicly. He's got something for your life. He's got something for your future. But, but you gotta embrace those seasons where you're letting God heal you internally before he uses you externally. I think it's so crucial that we understand this because if you rush the process, you'll end up ministering in your brokenness instead of from it. You'll be in your feelings instead of in faith. You'll be led by your emotions instead of led by the spirit. You think you're inspiring people, but you're not inspiring them. You're just bleeding all over them. And it's because you gotta have a moment just to pull back and get alone with the Father. Some of y'all, you're, you're trying to even do ministry, you're trying to reach out to other people and you're so broken. You remind me of this MMA fighter. I don't know if you saw this, but you kind of look like this when you're ministering. It um, looks like this girl. I'm super excited. It was really tough, it was fun, I enjoyed it. It was definitely a different ball game, but I had a blast, so thank you. <laughs> That's your life right now. You're just like, I had a blast. I'm like, you look crazy. Jesus pulled back, and many times he pulls you backwards before he propels you forwards. You're like a bow and arrow. I'm telling you, you feel like you're going backwards. Embrace it. He's pulling you back. He's pulling you back to do a greater work to launch you to what he has for your life. Can we give him some praise today, church? So let's look at the next verse, verse 14. When he landed, he saw the large crowd. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. First of all, I want you to see the motive of Jesus' heart right here. Jesus' motive was compassion. It was not followers. It was not platform. It was not money. It was not fame. I, I, I want to ask you a question. What's your motive really? What's your motive? You want God to use your life? Really? What's the reason why? I have to ask myself this all the time. God, God, grow the church. Let's see more campuses launched. What's the real reason? If your motive is not the compassion towards the lost and broken people in the world, you've missed it completely. We gotta constantly evaluate our motive, going, what is the reason why we're doing this? Why are we trying to make more money? Why are we trying to have the business expand? If it's for God's glory, great. If it's for your glory, we gotta check ourselves sometimes. He evaluated his motive right there. It said he had compassion on them. And then it says like this, and as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's getting late. Send some of the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves 
Some food. Okay, let, let me just show you what happened in this. So let's put ourselves in the context. We're in the beautiful hills of northern Galilee, and Jesus is teaching, and as he's teaching, there's 20,000 people that are listening to him. And you know, he's got beautiful hair just flowing and the beard, and, and he's just talking. And, and he's talking, and he's bringing this message, and it's, it's probably incredible. And he's talking to them. Many people think it's maybe the, the mountain where he gave the Beatitudes, and he's talking about the sermon right there, and he's giving a beautiful message. And you gotta think, I, I might be a decent preacher. Jesus would have been a great preacher. Like, I mean, the best of the best. And, and, and you gotta think that they probably had what we have here at Radiant Church. We have this little countdown clock on the back wall. Every one of our campuses have it so that your campus pastor just doesn't go on and on and on and on. And so we give them a certain amount of time. And, and, and so it's on the back wall. You don't need to look at it because I don't abide by it anyway, but it's there. <laughs> But, but Jesus is preaching this message and the countdown video starts, the countdown timer starts to go down to, down to zero. Down, it's, it's starting to wind down and they're like, oh wow, he's gonna wrap this thing up and he's not wrapping this thing up. And, 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 and so they probably start to go, man, I wonder how long he's gonna go. But he, he doesn't just go a little bit longer. And when the countdown video goes to zero, then it goes into the red and starts counting up. It just shows you your disobedience and it just... <laughs> But Jesus, Jesus is God. He can preach as long as he wants. Like, he's just all about it. He, he keeps going and keeps going. And then they finally get to the place. It's about noon. I mean, he's been going for a few hours. They're like, man, we, we got to get to Cracker Barrel. They have a, they have a special. We get these people to Cracker Barrel. We, we got to get out there. We got to get there before the Baptist. Come on, somebody. We make it. And, and, and he goes past noon and he goes into one. And, and then they're starting to think, but man, the football, football's about to start. And, Kickoffs at 115. Jesus has got to wrap this thing up. They, they try to open their, their phones for updates, but the service is not good in Galilee. It's not good. So, so they're frustrated. And, and the Bible says that they keep going and he keeps going. And the day was getting late, is as they said it. And then, like this is late in the day. This is three, four, five o'clock in the afternoon. And Jesus is still going. Don't ever complain that I'm a long winded preacher, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> If I ever go long, I'm just trying to be like Christ, somebody. Just trying to be like <laughs> so, so, so Jesus is going long, and then the disciples finally have this huddle, okay? You got a picture of this, okay? It's not in the scriptures, but you got a picture of it, all right? They kind of get together, and they're like, man, this is going forever. What are we going to do about this? They're like, somebody's got to go talk to him. Somebody's got to interrupt this guy and just tell him, hey, listen, we got to wrap this thing up. These, like, it's a big deal. Are you hungry? I'm hungry. I'm hungry. So then they all do rock, paper, scissors. It's not in the Bible, but you can imagine, okay? They're like, who's gonna go? Who's gonna go? And you know, one of them had to, you know, one of them got picked. You can't imagine being that guy. Can you imagine? Okay, just, Jesus is there teaching. It's amazing, profound. Blessed are the poor. He's talking. And as he's talking, you have a disciple just creeping up to the side. You know, they already tried the keyboard thing. You know what I mean? Where they play the keyboard and try that with the Oscars trying. There's what music. Jesus wasn't all about it. And so he's just, they, 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 they walk up and they, just slowly go, hey, uh, Jesus, Jesus, incredible job, <laughs> powerful message. We've, we've all been impacted for hours by this message. Um, and then you got to think, he, gotta, he had to think of a solution because he couldn't tell him like, hey, we're hungry, we're done. So he's like, what is the solution? The solution is Jesus cares about people. Jesus. These people are hungry. <laughs> They're done. They, they, don't, they, they need to go home. They need to go home so that they can get some food. He thought he had a solid plan to get Jesus to wrap this thing up, but Jesus wasn't done. 
So as Jesus is not done, Jesus looks at him and says this phrase. Look at verse 16. He says, he says, they don't need to go away. And he looks at his disciples and he says, you give them something to eat. You handle the problem. Now, can you imagine that guy just like, this is not what I planned. I, I, didn't, I didn't think you'd want us to actually solve the problem. Jesus, I thought you would do this, the work. You would solve the problem. But for instance, but for some reason, when God wants to solve a problem, he looks to us instead of him doing it himself. I, I wrote it down in your notes this way. God's miraculous plan is accomplished through his willing people. So, uh, so I'm believing God wants to save Tampa Bay, but I just know he's going to use us to do it. I'm telling you, I, I see it all throughout the scriptures. God, God can do it himself. He just doesn't. He works through us to do the work that he wants to do. Like, it's interesting. He tells Noah that a flood's going to come, but he tells Noah to build the boat. If I'm Noah, I'm going to be like, God, please let a boat appear. And what I've realized with God is God won't build the boat. He'll do the miracle. He won't build the boat. He won't build the boat. He, he wants us to work together for this. That's why Paul says it this way. It's beautiful. He says, for we are co-workers in God's service. Like we're in this thing together. So it's not just him. It's not just us. It's together we do it. So when we make a decision to say, we're going to build the boat. We're going we're to use what we've got. We're going to take ownership of it. When we're going to do our part. I wrote it down this way. When man does the natural, God does the supernatural. You can't do the supernatural, but I'm telling you this, I've learned this with God. God won't do the natural part. You have to do that. So God looks to us and says, I'll do the miracle. You just do your part. Somebody, you just got to understand, do your part, do your part. Like, like, like God wants to bless your finances. You do your part. You start giving. God, God wants to save your family. You do your part. You start inviting them and be a little nice to them around the holidays. Isn't it interesting? that God wants to use us for this plan. And so, so they look around and he, they're in this moment where they're going, God, you wanna do a miracle, you wanna feed all these people, what do we have? And they look around and there's this little boy who had just gone through the Long John Silver's drive-thru. <laughs> now, I don't know if you've ever been to Long John Silver's, I went for the first time last night and, uh, to get this. Um, and there was no wait in that drive-thru line. Uh, <laughs> That place needs prayer. And, uh, and so the boy is, and you might be a Long John Silver's fan and we, we support you, but there's not too many of them around Tampa Bay. That's what I've realized. So, so the boy's sitting there. And by the way, there's so, many, there's, there's so many things about this story that I wrote just little side notes. Isn't, isn't it interesting that the boy is the only one that came prepared to spend the entire day with Jesus? Nobody else had food, but the little boy had food. Like, like, I want to come in every service with expectation that I'm actually going to receive from something from God. Like, I'm going to be prepared for what God wants to do. So the boy's prepared, and he's been sitting there with his, with his five loaves and his, his little fish, and he, he's ready to go. He's got his little meal, which, by the way, that's a lot of carbs for a meal, but he's not on keto right now, and so he's, he's good. And while he's there, the disciples are saying, hey, we need this. Jesus needs your lunch. And now imagine the faith of the little boy, first of all. The faith of the little boy to say, I'll give up what I have because Jesus asked me for it. And then look at, look at this scripture said. The scripture says, verse 17, he says, we only, I think it's so interesting they added that word. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Only. Stop discrediting what God can use in your life. 
There's so many people that come to God and they, they say, well, it's just not enough. It's just not sufficient. There's no way God can use it. When you look at your talents, when you look at your finances, when you look at your time, you look at it and you go, it's just five loaves and two fish. There's no way what God wants to do through my life is so great, but there's no way because what I have is too little. And I want you to know, Jesus's next response is one of the most crucial passages in all of the scripture. And if you get nothing else, get this passage. Jesus looks in verse 18 and says, well, bring him here to me. Bring them here to me. Jesus's response with your lack is bring it to me. Bring it to me. Whatever is broken in your life, Jesus says, you bring it to me. Whatever's messed up in your life, you bring it to me. Whatever you feel like is not enough in your life, you bring it to Jesus. And watch what he can do through it. Watch what he can do. I, I love this because this is the truth throughout scriptures that when we give Jesus our little, he's able to do a lot. But, but, but many of you guys are missing out on the lot because you are, you are despising the days of the little. Yep. I remember the very first time I preached a message. I mean, it was terrible. My talent was horrible. My ability to preach the scriptures were so bad. I mean, my communication skills were terrible. But I'm telling you, I gave it to Jesus. I gave it to Jesus. And I said, if this is something you want to use with my life, I give it to you. I give it to you. And God's used it. I'm telling you, the first time I remember giving to God my finances. That's why I love tithing, because tithing is such a beautiful picture of this. It's giving God our little, saying with our little. It's little in my hands, but it's not little in your hands. When it goes into your hands, that's where miracles can start breaking out. I'm telling you, but if you keep it in your hands, it's five loaves and two fish. If you give it to God's hand, it's more than enough to do the miracle that he wants to do in your life. Well, I only have an hour a week free to serve. I only have one hour. That hour is wasted in your hands. It is significant in God's hands. So what do we do with it? What do we do with it? Everything significant is found on the other side of surrender. So you can't hold it to yourself. The boy almost, you got to think about this. The boy, how close could he have been? Maybe he was waiting for five o'clock dinner. The boy almost ate his miracle. I think there's a lot of people, I'm telling you, I've got so many side little nuggets for this. I think there's a lot of people, you're eating your miracle right now. You're eating, you're taking it for yourself instead of offering it to the Lord. Side note there. So what do we do with it? What do we do with our Long John Silver's meals here? Well, you don't go, but if you go, what do you do with your five loaves and two fish? Well, Jesus asked for it. Jesus asked for the miracle. And when Jesus asked for the miracle, you have to understand it's our part to surrender. And here's what happens when we surrender, right? You write it down. Because when we release what isn't enough, God rewards us with what is more than enough. So you, you can't accomplish more than enough on your own, but that's why we release it to him. And we surrender to him. I want to speak to somebody who you're holding on to your life. You're holding on to, to the fact that you can do it yourself and you can go, well, I, it's, it's, I'm gonna accomplish it myself. I'm gonna overcome this stuff myself. I'm telling you, you're insignificant. You're, you're powerlessness in yourself. But when you give what is broken over to God, when you give what is lacking over to God, God can take it, God can use it, and God can use it to make a difference in the world today. But you gotta start with surrender to God today. So, and, and the result is that when you give things to God, Ephesians 3.20, which I love to quote all the time, it says, now all glory to God, which by the way, that's the goal of all of this, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more. I don't know what you think is possible in your own strength. It's not infinitely more. 
I'm telling you, our God can do infinitely more when you hand it over to him. More than you can ask or think. Come on, give him a little bit of praise today. That's what happens with our God. Verse 19. Okay, now this is, gets a little crazy, all right? Verse 19. And he directed the people, talking about Jesus, directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. Now verse 19, what I just read to you right there, could be one of the most confusing, frustrating verses in all the Bible. Because if I'm in this scenario, I'm going, there's five loaves and two fish, God do the miracle. But God doesn't do the miracle the way we want him to do the miracle. And if you followed God any amount of time, you know that the way you think is the easiest way to see the miracle happen is not the way God chooses. It's not the way he picks it. So he always does something unique in how he does the miracle. And the pattern we see here is a pattern we see all throughout the scriptures. So what's the pattern? It's not in your notes, but I just want you to get this. The pattern is that the miracle first had to be released from somebody's hands. So they had, Jesus said, give it to me. So it started with a moment of surrender. That's where everything starts in the kingdom of God. And then God took, the, took it and the Bible says, and he blessed it. Now, when I think of the blessing of God, I think this is the moment. It's blessed by God. And then boom, bread and, and fish appear everywhere. But isn't it interesting that it was blessed, but not abundant yet? Let me just say it this way. There's many of you, you have to understand you're blessed even if you don't feel blessed. I thought I would get a better amen across our campuses today. Because you're walking around going, well, I don't feel blessed and my bank account doesn't feel blessed and my kids don't look blessed. And I'm telling you, if you're in the hands of the master, you're blessed whether you believe it or not. Your life is abundant whether you think it or not. I'm telling you, you might not have seen the miracle, but you're blessed because you're in God's hands. You're in God's hands. And then, and then something happens that's shocking. He takes it, and then he breaks it. He breaks it. Now, I've read that my whole life, going, why in the world? What? He breaks it. You have to understand how God works. Because as believers, we have to embrace the idea that things kind of look worse before they get better. You might remember the day you got saved. I know, I hear these stories all the time where you give your life to Christ in a service just like that. You're all excited, you're all pumped up, you're ready to go. And then you go and you have like the worst next few days of your life. And it all just falls apart. Like it all, it's just crazy for a while. And, and why? Because many times it looks worse while God's doing the miracle in your life. It looks terrible, but you have to understand God's got a master plan. God's got a beautiful plan behind the scenes. It it doesn't make sense, but it will make sense in the future. So he breaks it. He he gets it broken down. And there's always a season of pruning before he brings you into potential. There's always a breaking down before he gives you the breakthrough. There's always a time that you feel like you're being crushed, but I'm telling you, he's getting you ready for the future that he has for your life. It's it's a breaking. It's a a tough time. That's why we do a 90-day tithing challenge instead of a nine-day tithing challenge. Because you remember giving to God for the first time, and you're like, honor God with your tithe, and then the next week you have like the worst financial week ever. And you're like, what happened? It it looks less before there's more. That's how how it works with God. So by the way, can I encourage someone in here today? Because if you feel like you're being broken down right now, that's probably because there's some kind of breakthrough God wants to do through your life. There's something that God wants to do. And then he takes it. And again, he doesn't say, now there's a miracle. He 
he takes it and he hands it to the hands of the disciples. Isn't it interesting that the miracle did not happen in Jesus' hands, it happened in the disciples' hands? He distributed it, and as they're distributing it, the multiplication starts happening. It doesn't make sense. The whole miracle way of doing it just doesn't make sense. But here's what I've realized about faith. Faith is the decision to obey even when you don't understand. So you don't understand. You're like, but I would do it different. Welcome to the club. We all would. But we're not God. God's got a master plan. And I want you to know there's actually a reason behind the master plan. I'll get to it in just a minute. There's a master plan behind it. I want you to, Isaiah says it this way, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. So there's a way of that God does things that's different than you do things, but you have to embrace God's way and goes, God, if you're, if you're, if you're saying I'm blessed, even if I don't feel blessed, I embrace it. If you're okay with breaking me, even though I wouldn't have chosen this, I'm embracing the breaking. If you're okay with using my life to distribute the miracle, even though I'd rather you just do it, I'm okay because I'm going to do it your way instead of my way. Write it on your notes this way, ready? Because the miracle won't happen as you imagine, but it'll be better than you can imagine. It'll be better. And I don't know what you're going through right now, but when you give it to Jesus, the miracle is gonna be better than you could ever have imagined. So look at verse 20, all right? Then we're gonna wrap this thing up, but man, it gets good. And they all ate. How many of them ate? All. They all ate. And look at it, it says, and they were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. I wasn't even gonna say it today, but I'll, I'll just, isn't it interesting, besides women and children? But who did God use? I feel like it's, a prophetic word for somebody here to understand that God counted on the little boy that nobody even counted. You think nobody sees me. Nobody recognizes me. Nobody knows what's inside of me. God does. God counts on those who nobody else counted on. Get your hope up. Believe God for the Bible says, and they were satisfied. They were satisfied. Write down your notes, because the world can give momentary highs. That's what the world does. You get a momentary high from the world. But only God can give lasting satisfaction. Like, like I don't know what you're trying to get your fill today, but I'm telling you, it's with God. We get that lasting satisfaction. Lasting abundance in our life. And that's what happened. They were all filled. And the Bible says, and then there was, there was multiple, there were 12 basketfuls left over. By the way, side note there, that shows God cares about stewardship. He didn't let the waste happen out there. He picked it up, another message for another day. I could preach a whole series off this passage, but. And so what, is, what did the disciples do afterwards? The disciples go, all right, let's pick up all the rest. And there's just tons of just extra, extra ton, tons. Like, there's just so much out there. And they're picking all this stuff up going, man. And it wasn't just one. It was. How much time y'all got, all right? 
get the idea. And these disciples are walking out of there with abundance. They're walking out of there. And it's an interesting, they're 12, by the way, because how many disciples were there? There was 12 disciples. It was almost like Jesus wanted each one of them to walk out with more than enough to say, listen, in your hands, it's insignificant. But in my hands, it's abundance. You hold on to it in your hands, it's not gonna count for much. You give it to me and you will never imagine what I can do with your life. I'm telling you, can you imagine? If I was one of those disciples, I'd be walking around for days going, oh, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. You have no clue what God can do through a life that's surrendered to him. Well, it looks so insignificant. You give it to God, miracles can happen. In the book of John, the story goes that the next passage, Jesus walks on water. It's an amazing miracle. We might get to it in a few weeks. And then uh, after that, Jesus gets back to the shore and uh, the Bible says that the crowds gathered all around. Yeah, no duh. Because that's what happens when you multiply food in front of 20,000 people. They're gonna talk, go tell everybody they know. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to get there the next day and they're going to go, Jesus, we're hungry again. And they missed the point of the miracle. Book of John, Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate of the loaves and you had your fill. Like you had a temporary satisfaction that I could give you. And that's why you want to come to me, which is by the way, that's why most people come to Jesus, right? For the first time. First, first time you show up to church is my marriage is broken. My kids are going crazy right now. My finances are a wreck. My anxiety is overwhelming. I need my fill. And Jesus said, you came to me and you got your miracle. And Jesus does miracles all the time. But the problem with it is they missed it. Verse 35 says, then Jesus declared, I'm the bread. You missed out. You were looking for a miracle. It's not the miracle you need. It's the man you need. But let me tell you, it's not the stuff that you need, it's a savior that you need. It's, listen, he says, I'm the bread of life. Anybody who comes to me will never go hungry, never go thirsty again. You come to Jesus and you go, God, I'm not after you from what you can give me, I'm after you for you. He's the prize, he's the bread of life. He's the one that'll satisfy. I don't know what you're going through, but that's why we look to him. I know, I know we're out of time. We gotta get this, okay? Give another piece off, oh, good, that's a good one. So then the night Jesus is betrayed, he gathers his disciples. The 12 are in the upper room and he takes the piece of bread and he tells them that they finally got it. This is my body. My body that's gonna be broken. He was blessed. He belonged to the Father. And then he became broken. And he says, I'm doing this for you. And then we can't get there, but then it was just a few chapters later, Jesus tells him, it says, now go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's almost like he showed us the miracle of the 5,000 was the life we're called to live. We're called to live and see, take the bread of life that was broken on the cross 
and now it's been distributed to us, but we don't hold our peace to ourselves. We take that peace and we distribute it to a lost and broken world out there today. And every time we distribute it, it multiplies and the kingdom of God is advanced. And now we get to take the city. Why? Because we're taking the bread of life and giving it to a lost and dying world who needs a fill. Come on, somebody. It's more than just a story about food. It's what God wants to do in your life. I wrote it down, your last note, ready? It's when Jesus was broken and miraculously resurrected, which is what happened. It made a way for all of our brokenness be miraculously resurrected also. I, I don't know what's broken in your life. I don't know what you're frustrated with in your life. I don't know what you've seen, feel like is insignificant in your life, but we gotta give it to Jesus today. We gotta submit it to him today. So at the close of this service at every campus, nobody moving around, just stay to your feet for just a second. Let's have a moment where we look to Jesus and we do what that boy did. We give him what we think is insignificant. We give him what we think is not enough. And Jesus is speaking over you right now. And he says, give it to me. Give me your pain. Give me your past. Give me your sin. Give me your brokenness. And when we give it to God, it's when he's able to do the miracle. So I don't, if you feel comfortable, come on, throw a hand up to heaven. In a sign of surrender, we give it to you, God. At every one of our campuses, we give you our pain, our shame, our giftings, our talent, our money, everything we have is yours, God. We submit it to you and we say, God, have your way. Do a miracle through my life. In Jesus' name, we pray. Come on, let's worship one more time before we go. the Holy Spirit, what is he asking you? What is he speaking to you about today? Many of you, it's a moment of surrender. It's a moment of just saying, God, I'll give you, give you everything. Be that, be that boy. Maybe it comes with your time. Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's your talent. Just say, God, I surrender it to you today. Use my life for something bigger than I can ever imagine. There's another group that's here today before our host comes at every one of our campus and, and you have not had started that relationship with Christ. Jesus is looking at you right now and says, give me your life, give it to me. That's why he came 2000 years ago. He didn't come to multiply food. He came to be the bread of life that can satisfy your every need that you have. His body was broken. 
miraculously resurrected so that all of our brokenness, when we give it to him, can be used for a purpose greater than we can ever imagine. It starts with this moment of surrender. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to throw that hand up to heaven. Say, today's my day. Today, this is my moment. I'm giving Jesus my life. I'm not holding back anymore. I'm stepping out in faith, saying I belong to Christ. If that's you, you maybe you've never made this decision before. This is your day of salvation. On the count of three, throw the hand up. We wanna pray for you right there in your seat. One, two, three. Come on, throw it up at every location. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you at all of our campuses. Thank you, those in North Tampa, and those are the heights. Those in Pinellas County, just throw the hand up, wave it up, you put it right back down. Let's all pray this prayer out loud together. Say, dear Jesus, today, I give you my life, forgive my sin, forgive my past. I belong to you. I'm gonna follow you for the rest of my life. Be my Lord and be my savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, let's celebrate those who just made the best decision ever. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.